We're going to go to the book of John, the Gospel of John this morning, John chapter 21. Gospel of John and chapter 21, the last chapter of the Gospel of John. I remember that day that God saved me. I remember that time. If you're well able to stand, once you find your place, if you'd stand with us for the reading of the Word of God, appreciate that very much. Look about halfway down in the chapter, verse number 15 is where we will start. Gospel of John, chapter number 21, and verse number 15. I appreciate everyone that is joining by live stream also, and I hope that that everything will work well today. I know that I've had some reports of the service is cutting out and sound cutting out and different things, and we're doing everything we can to make sure that doesn't happen. So, John chapter 21, verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whether thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. I've titled a message for this morning, When Your Mouth Says One Thing, But Your Life Says Another. Let's pray and we'll get on into the message. 
Father, even though we're burdened about our our country, Lord, we, we know that ultimately you are in control. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, to uh, just put aside all those thoughts for these next minutes ahead and help us to be fully focused on what you have for us through your word. I, I pray for your power that, that we might preach just the way that you'd have it done, boldness to say the things that need to be said, wisdom, Lord, to not say the things that don't need to be said, and just divine direction in all that we do. We need you to speak to us today. Um, Lord, do something that only you can take credit for. We pray and thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing and do be seated. We are very blessed to be saved by the grace of God. Mercy. We that have put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation from sin have experienced the greatest love known to man. No no greater love than this. And because of that, we should be willing to show forth our love to God by showing love to others. It is in God's plan. Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. He followed that up by saying, ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. This morning, it's going to do us well, I do believe, to search our own hearts and our own lives to see how much we're showing forth the love of God. And we really couldn't very well study the subject of Christian love without bringing up the verses found over in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, where Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. It'd be hard to say that we are loving in that manner, if we're holding animosity in our heart against another. A huge part of this type of love is forgiving forgiving, and, and, and treating others in a way that we wish to be treated. Even treating others in better than they deserve to be treated because of the great love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost at the time of salvation. And to be fruitful ministers to others. And we are supposed to be ministers to others. Not just the man that stands in the pulpit. But all of us. We're to be ministers to others. And to be fruitful ministers to others. Let's let's put ourselves in Peter's place for just a few minutes. For just a few minutes. Verse 15 says, So when they had dined, Jesus said, to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jodas, lovest thou me more than these? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. So the meal is finished. Jesus cooked them up some fish, and they, they supped. And, and, and the disciples are sitting around the fire with Jesus. And Jesus is working to prepare Peter to minister to others. So he puts first things first. Jesus does. 
He puts first things first. And he calls Peter Simon, son of Jonas. And, 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 and I believe that reminded Peter from where he came, his humble beginnings. Um, everything that Peter had become since Jesus had called him and everything that he would become after that meeting was of God. Come on, we know of Peter. We've read of his past. We know he's a rough fisherman. We know he made a lot of mistakes even after Jesus called him. But everything that he had become up to this point, it was because of God. He was nothing apart from Christ. He was nothing apart from what God had purposed for his life. And, And you and I, we must never forget that it is God that has created us. It is God that has a plan for our lives. So many over the centuries have wondered why they were born and and what their purpose was in life. And many of those were never completely fulfilled in their life because they didn't follow God's plan. Whether they came to know the Lord Jesus Christ or not, they, they never followed God's plan and what God wanted them to do. And so they were never completely fulfilled. Listen, God has a plan for every one of us from the time we were conceived in the womb. Every one of us. There are some that have even rejected God's call. And so they miss God's purpose in life. And the opportunity that they had to make life-changing contributions to our society and to the whole world. In the questions that Jesus asked, He was looking for commitment. From Peter, a real commitment. Come on, you remember Peter, the one that... uh, Denied knowing him? After he'd followed him for about three and a half years, Peter said, I don't know the guy. I don't even know what you're talking about. Come on, went to cussing, cursing, saying bad things just so people wouldn't identify him with the Lord Jesus Christ. So now he's looking for some commitment. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Jesus used the word agape. Agape for love. It's a divine love. It's, it's God's love. You really love me more than these. And really what the these are in this is not clear. It might be that Jesus, stay with me here. It might be that Jesus pointed to the disciples asking Peter if he, if he loved him, loved Jesus more than those men that he had walked with these years, or even more than his own family. Or maybe he was pointing to the fish, maybe he was pointing to the boat, the nets, all that, and he asked him, Peter, do you, do you love me more than your profession? Do you love me more than your career? Do you love me more than your business? And it could be that God made it unclear what these are, what he was pointing to, So that it might make these in here apply to whatever important, to whatever we may have in our life that is more important than Him. Whatever it might be. Bill, do you love me more than these? Peter said, Thou knowest I love thee. But he didn't use the same word. He used the word phileo, which is brotherly love. 
not a godly love. So Jesus asked him a second time, he said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Using the same word, agape, love, love, with the love of God, do you love me? And again, Peter didn't reply, he didn't reply, Lord, I agape you. He said, yea, Lord, I, I phileo you. I love you like a brother. I, I love you with this brotherly love. And it's really something because the third time Jesus brought it down to a human level. And he used the word phileo. Peter, lovest thou me? Phileo thou me? And what he was saying here was even this, Peter, do you really love me? I mean, phileo me, do you, do you really love me even as a brother? And, and questioning the love of Peter, it grieved him. It grieved Peter. I mean, he had followed him for three and a half years. Lord, you know I do. And Jesus went on to assure him that there was going to come a time that his love would be what it needed to be. There's going to come a time, Peter, that you will be that devoted to where you'll be willing to do whatever you have to do to show your love for me. Even die. Even be martyred. We know that Peter's going to be called upon to die for Christ, to give his life for preaching the love of God to those that cared nothing about it at all. And Jesus was preparing Peter with, with these questions. He was preparing Peter with these questions, excuse me, to serve others. To serve others. To serve those that had no strength. To serve those that are ungodly. To serve sinners. To serve the enemies of God. And that's what serving God is all about. Caring for others. Reaching out to others. Helping others. After answering the questions each time Jesus told Peter, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. If you love me, Peter, help others to love me too. Help others to understand this also. Loving like Jesus loves. So Jesus asked Peter whether he loved him with agape love or phileo love. Let's think about that just a few minutes. Phileo love is a love of a warm, that warm, deep feelings from the heart, a, a love of of tender affection. I mean, we're talking about the love that is deep and, and uh, a love that is, is uh, uh, about love that is deep and precious to those that are very near to us. Those people that are closest to us, people we love the most, such as a love between family members, a love of a husband and wife, a love, a love uh, that would die for a brother, a deep love. Which can be a good love. 
But agape love is different than that. It's a love of the mind. It's a love of reason. It's a love of the will. We're talking, we're talking about a love that is born of choice. A choice that we make. Someone that chooses to love regardless of feelings. A person may be humiliated, insulted, or even injured, but agape love chooses to seek only the best for that person. It's not looking for vengeance. It's not looking to get even. It's a sacrificial love. A love that has to be purposed. Are you still with me here? A love that has to be purposed. Well, I tell you, I just don't feel like... Stop. That's that phileo love. We're talking about agape love. We're talking about a God that so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. Come on. When it says He so loved the world, it's not talking about the ball of dirt. It's talking about you and me. Sinners. All of us. Even the enemies of God need to hear the gospel. Even the enemies of God need to have a chance to be saved from their sin. Agape love is a wonderful thing. It's not not only a love of emotions. It's a matter of the mind as well as the heart. Of the will as well of emotion. It's God's love. It's the very nature of God's love. It's it's the love that offered forgiveness, forgiveness to you and I while we were still yet sinners. It is the fruit of the Spirit of God that was given to us at the time of salvation. It is the love that God has for His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. It is the love that holds believers together. That holds believers together. Come on. For three years, Jesus held these disciples together. And now He is leaving them. And He knew that they, they, they needed to keep them together. He knew what they needed to keep them together. They needed this new commandment. To love one another the way that He loves them. Well, I tell you, that would bring great unity to a group of believers, won't it? Loving one another the way that He loves us. A love that can overlook faults. A love that can forgive. A love that doesn't hold grudges. A love that looks to build up one another. Exhort one another. To help one another. Encourage one another. The love of God. That's the type of love we are to show one another. That's the type of love that we, that, we, that, we should be, that we should be striving to have, doing whatever, no, 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 doing whatever we need to do to try to help one another. It's the love that we as believers are to have for all people. Isn't it a terrible thing that we go out there and we've got tracks in our pocket or ladies have tracks in their purse, whatever the case may be, and we see somebody and they are just covered with the world? 
Oh, I could start giving descriptions, whether I, whatever description I want to give, the way they're dressed, the way they're tattooed up, the way they're pierced, whatever. I mean, they're just covered with the world and we feel like, oh man, we don't want to, we don't want to bother them. We don't want to give them that. They won't want this. Oh, no, no, no. They may not want it, but they need it just as bad as anybody else did. They needed it. They needed it like you needed it. The love of God reaching out to sinners. Just like he reached out to you. Well, preacher, you know, I saved as a little kid. It's not like I it's not like I was a wicked sinner. Well, no, you were a wicked sinner. You were on your way to hell. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, that's where you would have ended up for sure. And so you didn't get pierced up, and you didn't get tattooed up, and, and you didn't run out and run the bars and do dope and all those different things. I'm telling you, you still needed Jesus Christ. And those people need Jesus Christ. And, and, and no, 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 listen to me. The reason that they're out there and they're living like that is because they don't know Him. We are supposed to show the love of God to people. And that's a, that, is a, mm, that is proven by our obedience to Christ. If you love me, keep my commandments. So our love, this type of love, oh, well, preacher, you know, I love, just, just stay with me here. This type of love is proven by our obedience to Christ. Doing whatever you want to do instead of what God wills for your life is not expressing agape love. This type of love that uh, the Lord was speaking about was going to take total commitment. Total commitment. Come on, stay with me here. Verse number 19, uh, I'm sorry, verse number 18 says this. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I send unto thee, unto Peter, when thou was young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest wherever thou wouldest. And when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, <coughs> excuse me, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Total commitment. Jesus had challenged Peter to feed his sheep. Feed the Lord's sheep. And the total commitment that he was looking for would require Peter to first and foremost be committed to God's leadership. Whatever God wanted him to do. Peter, when you were young before you met me, you just ran about, you did whatever you wanted to do, you, you dressed like you wanted, you went wherever you wanted, you just acted like you wanted, you did all these things. Now that's pretty much what he was telling him there. Back when you were young, you were just doing whatever you wanted to do. He girded himself, dressed himself, went wherever he pleased. I mean, before he met Jesus, he ran his own life and whatever he wanted to say, whatever he wanted to say, he just said he chose the pleasures that he desired. He did what he wanted to do. He chose what work he wanted to do. He chose what he did not want to do. But Jesus had called Peter to follow him. And with total commitment to do so, with total commitment to do so, then Peter could no longer do whatever his heart desired. 
Jesus, his Savior and Lord, would now guide him in life. When you were young, you did whatever you wanted to, Peter, but when thou shalt be old. When Peter got a little older, when he got more mature in the Lord, God would be the one directing his steps. And Peter would be willing to follow, even unto death. Even under martyrdom. We know that Peter was married. We know that. Well, how do you know Peter was married? Well, Jesus healed his mother-in-law. There ain't no reason to have a mother-in-law unless you're married. That's bad, wasn't it? Bad. Sorry, 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 sorry. Tradition says... Some Jewish historians say that uh, his wife served with him in ministry for many years after his calling. And according to Clement of Alexandria, a Christian theologian that lived from 150 A.D. to 215 A.D., Peter's wife was martyred with him. Clement wrote this, he said, quote, On seeing his wife led to death, Peter rejoiced on account of her call and her conveyance home and called very encouragingly and comfortingly, addressing her by name, Remember thou the Lord, end quote. Sure is good to have a wife that will follow wherever the Lord might lead. Even in hardships, just doing what God would have them to do. And historians say that Peter was crucified in Rome and that he felt so very unworthy to die in the same way that Jesus had died that he begged to be crucified upside down. I would say from the meal around the fire until that time that he was nailed to a cross that he did some growing. Wouldn't you? Lord, whatever you want me to do. Yeah, Lord, I've blown it back. Yes, yes. I I remember the failures. I remember putting my foot in my mouth. I I remember remember rejecting the, the fact that I even knew you to all those people Lord, I want to follow you wholly now. I don't, I don't want to run my life anymore, Lord. I want you to run my life. I want to show the love of God to others. Someone that's totally committed to follow Christ is willing to suffer persecution. They're not going to get upset. When somebody mocks them or belittles them, they'll live a sacrificial life. They'll live a godly life. I mean, having a strong testimony for the Lord and being His witness as they go. And I think you understand. Stay with me here. I think you understand that in the world in which we live, 
such a life is opposed by most. And people don't want to do that. They have the mindset of Peter back at the fire. Lord, I love you. I love you. We're buds. I love you. Oh, come on. You know, I love you like a brother. Just don't ask too much of me. And the reason that most people don't want to sell out like this is that the world does persecute those that uh, live godly. No, no, people they are persecuted at work, they're persecuted at play, they're persecuted at home, even at times wherever. This world will attack and ridicule and curse and mock and even ignore those that try to love God with all their heart and follow God with all their heart. Think that they've completely gone crazy. And that's why commitment like this, real commitment like this, requires picking up the cross daily. Real commitment like this calls for dying to self. It's not about what you want. It's not about how you feel. It's about what God wants. And it's about allowing Him to live through us no matter how we might feel about things. It's about allowing Him to have control of our life no matter what we might have wanted to do. And that's why there are people all around the world. We support missionaries all around the world. That's why there are people over there serving people in, in, in areas that you and I would go, oh man, I don't want to go there. Because somewhere along the way they just said, Lord, here am I. Send me. Whatever you want me to do. Wherever you want me to go. Whatever you want me to say. However you want me to live. I'll sacrifice everything I have just so I can commit to do what you would have me to do. To be who you would have me to be. I'll die to self. I'll die to my wants and wishes. I'll die to my desires. Lord, that I might be able to serve you. Picking up your cross daily. Dying to self. And that type of commitment also means that you have to have an undivided attention to the work that you are going to do for God. That you're doing. Look at verse number 20. We're moving along great here, believe it or not. Look at verse 20. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that... uh, 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 betrayeth thee. And Peter seeing him saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? And Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come. What is that to thee? Follow thou me. Peter asked uh, Jesus what John was going to do. What, what's John going to be doing? Or, or where's John going to be serving? And stay with me. No, no, no. Stay with me and think about this. An underlying thought there may have been, an underlying thought for Peter may have been, wow. So, wait a minute. You're telling me I'm going to have to die for you? So, what about John? 
I mean, what about him? I mean, is he going to have an easy ministry? And we all know that John did not have an easy ministry. In fact, he was boiled in oil and then cast out onto the Isle of Patmos to die for the cause of Christ. But even then, God used John to write the book of the Revelation. No, John wasn't going to have a life of ease. And uh, Jesus pretty much just said, Hey, Peter, that's none of your business. You know, it's pretty apparent when we read our Bible that Peter and John were close friends. They were together quite a bit. We know John was younger than Peter, but somewhere in life Peter had taken a liking to him and so he wanted to know what he was going to do. But Jesus rebuked Peter and told him it's none of his concern. What Jesus had given Peter to do was to be his concern. And it's not for Peter to look to another man's ministry and, and to be distracted or to wish that he had that ministry or to compare ministries. So Jesus challenged Peter again and said this at the end of verse 22. Stay with me. Follow thou me. Peter, don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Come on, stay with me here. Peter, don't you worry about what everybody else is doing. You follow me. And if you'll follow me, everything will work out well. If you'll just do what I want you to do, everything will be just fine. I have missionary friends around the world. Some of them I can remember when they were called to go certain places. And how there were other people that said, Oh no, no, you don't need to do that. We need you right here. You're doing a good work right here in the United States of America. I mean, you're doing great. I mean, boy, things are going well for you. You don't need to go over to some deep, dark part of the world somewhere and whatever. You know, I'm glad that those people said, um, uh, You're not the one that called me. You're not the one that's directing my life. I believe I'll do better to listen to the Lord. And now they're serving in their respective fields. Doing what God wanted them to do. Jesus said, Peter, look, if John doesn't do anything until I come back, are you going to let that stop you? I mean, come on, Peter. I mean, I mean, what is it to you? You need to decide that it does not matter what anyone else is doing. Just do what I've asked you to do. Just follow me. Realize that I know what is best. I know where you can serve the best. I, I, know, I, I know that I just need you to put your hand to the plow and never turn back. Total commitment. Lord, whatever you want me to do. Wherever you want me to go. Let's make a little application and we'll we'll get out of here. We say that we love Jesus with our mouth. I would like to think that anybody that I ask right now in this auditorium, I say, do you love Jesus? I'd like to think they go, oh, preacher, man, I love Jesus. 
I love the Lord, of course, preacher, I love the Lord. But does our life show it? I mean, do we love Him the way we should? Or do we simply love Him like we love those that are closest to us? I mean, are we prepared to give our all for Him? Jesus, you know I love you. But I do have a life too, you know. Oh, He knows all about your life. He knows what's best for your life. He knows what is most fulfilling for your life. And He also knows those that you can reach if you'd so choose to. St. Joseph, Missouri needs Jesus. I was talking to Brother Walt before service. He's lived here 71 years. He has never, never, had anyone give him a gospel tract in 71 years. Never. We've lived here about 12 and a half years. I've never had anyone give me a gospel tract. Try to tell me about Jesus. All those years. If we gathered up everybody in St. Joseph, America that uh, professed to know the Lord Jesus Christ and asked them, do you love Jesus? Oh, yes. You ought to see my Jesus bumper sticker. <laughs> I love Jesus. I've got a Jesus t-shirt, man. It's just so cool. Little fish on the back of my car. Oh, yeah, I love Jesus. Well, really, how many gospel tracts have you passed out in the past Four or five years. Oh, man, don't put me on the spot. Creep, don't try to push me to do something I don't want to do. We say we love Him. We love him enough to share him with other people? Do we really care about our lost and dying world? I mean, can we, can we say we earnestly are praying for, for, for our nation? I mean, for our state, even for our city, if we're not busy about the Father's business? That we would not even pass out a gospel track and invite somebody to church? Are we really prepared to give our all to Him? I mean, agape love. You know, love Him with all of our heart and soul and strength. Truly. And as we draw nearer to the time of opening up the rest of the ministries here at Riverside Baptist Church, 
And it couldn't be soon enough for me, I guarantee you. But being mindful of everything that's going on and trying to be careful, of course. But anyway, as we prepare for this, and there's a lot of prayer going into that and a lot of talk going in, into that. I mean, planning, trying to decide what the best times are, trying to follow the Lord the best that we can. But as we draw nearer to those times that we open up the rest of the ministries here, are you ready to commit to the ministry that you have here as if it is the most important work in the world since it is the most important work in the world? This isn't just some institution. This isn't some organization. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a living organism. It's you and I. And it is the most important work in the world because it's the only work that's going to last for eternity. Do we look at it that way? Do we really consider it that way when we think about the ministry that we're given in our local church, the opportunities that we have in our local church to, to, to reach out to others? And I can address this to the greeters, the ushers, security workers, Sunday school, Sunday school teachers, bus workers, nursery workers, uh, recovery ministry workers, sound and video workers, music ministry workers, and whatever I forgot. It can be addressed to everyone that has any part of ministry here. Even if it's just the ministry of getting the gospel out to our lost and dying city. Because whether you like to think about it or not, that's every one of our responsibility. No, I said if you're a born again believer, we should be doing what we can. To get the gospel out to others. I don't want us to ever fall into the trap of. I don't want us to ever fall into the trap here at Riverside Baptist Church. Of Lord what can you do for me? I'm just waiting for you to do something for me. Mercy if he saves your soul. He's already done a lot more than you deserved. And He does continue to bless us, doesn't He? In tremendous ways. I want the mindset of Riverside Baptist Church to be, Lord, what can I do for You? How can I serve You? How can I best be used here? What can I do to reach others with the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? I want to be the very best I can be because this is the most important work in the world, Lord. Many of you have jobs where you wouldn't dare walk in late. But it seems to be nothing that you drag into church the last minute. Or even late. Lord, I love you. Lord, this is the most important work in the world. But is that truly how God's business should be handled? 
There's some that work in ministries that, 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 that they, they, they don't give thought to all week long. They give no thought to the ministry all week long. And then they come in on Sunday. Or even Wednesday. And, and then fly by their coattails just kind of hoping that God will bless their feeble efforts. Lord, I love you. I really hate it that some see no need to go to bed early on Saturday night so that they might be refreshed and ready for what God would have them to do on Sunday morning. They're not committed enough. Church is not important enough. God is not important enough that they can be their very best when they walk into the house on Sunday morning. Do do you really feel like you can come here with one eye open and be used to the full extent of which God would want to use you? You've not taken time to pray. You've not taken time to seek the Lord. You've not sought the Lord all week long about what God is doing and wants to do, how He wants to use you. But if you were asked, do you love Jesus? Oh man, I love Him. Of course I love you. You know I love Him. And even those that do not necessarily serve in any particular ministry, isn't it right, isn't it just right that we would come to church prayed up and ready to greet and encourage and edify other people? Even if you're not in a particular ministry, I mean, you are in ministry, right? I mean, we all are in ministry, right? Come on, that we we would have our sins confessed. I mean, that we would unload the dirt that, that, that we would make sure that our, our conscience is clear, that our soul is clear, there's nothing between God and us as we come into the house of God, that we might, that we might show the love of Christ to other people. Come on, that we wouldn't come in here and sit here with our arms folded and don't want to sing and don't want to say anything to anybody and ignore everybody else and I just don't know why everybody treats me the way they treat me and, all, and, and so self-centered that we can't reach out and show the love of God to people. When if we were asked, do you love Jesus? Oh, man, do I love Jesus. The Lord wants to use us all. Come on, even if it's just right here in this room on Sundays and Wednesdays. He wants to use us all. And coming to church with a what can you do for me type of attitude is not showing that you love Jesus as you should. Shouldn't be that way. I 
I mean, truly, is this or is this not the most important work in the world? Reaching people for the Lord Jesus Christ, the most important work in the world. Helping others to see Christ. And if so, isn't it about time that you made a total commitment to be used by Him? Now I'm talking about selling out completely. That you might be the best servant for Him that you can be. Doesn't He deserve that kind of commitment? Doesn't He deserve that kind of love from us? then we have to be careful as we are serving the Lord to not look at others and think, well, you know, they're not doing anything. Or, or you know, their ministry is easier than mine, better than mine. Or man, they, they, they have it made. Just they, All they have to do is whatever case may be. Let me just go ahead and say that no ministry is easy if you're pouring your heart and soul into it. No, 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 no ministry is easy if you're really dedicated to the Lord. I mean, if you're sold out to God, that you're doing everything you can to be what God would have you to be. Because we're all just sinners saved by grace. And we all fight a lot of the same things. And we all need to pick up our cross daily and die to self. Die to self. It requires a lot of labor, but there's nothing in the world that tops it. There's nothing in the world better than seeing someone get it. There's nothing in the world that's better than seeing someone to start following the Lord, to watch their life begin to change. Come on, you're there and you're encouraging them. You've been praying for them. I mean, you're there for them. You're helping them every bit that you can. Turning inward will never help you. No, I don't mind. I'll say that again. Turning inward will never help you. And it definitely will not help others. And once we have been saved by the grace of God, we are left here to be a help. To others. Do you love Jesus? Well, yes, I love Jesus, but you know, he just doesn't know what what you don't know what I'm going through. He knows what you're going through. And he's there to help you. Absolutely so. And one of the very best things that we can do is just determine that we are going to try to help someone else. Even if we don't exactly feel like it. And if it seems like your ministry just goes unnoticed, you can rest assured that God knows exactly what you're doing. And He wants you to do your best at whatever it is you have to do. 
1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I mean, we're really pouring ourselves into it. Loving Him with all of our heart and soul and strength. Bill, lovest thou me with all your heart and soul and strength? Put your name in there. Sitting by the fire with Jesus. And he looks at you. Lovest thou me? Oh Lord, you know I love you like a brother. It's pretty clear that Jesus wants a little bit more commitment than that, isn't it? Don't let your mouth say one thing and then your life show another. Sell out to Jesus today. Make a commitment to Him today that you're willing to do whatever He'd have you to do. And then, no, no, I'm I'm done. And then prove it by doing it. Faith without works is dead. Lovest thou me? Good question. What's your answer? Let's stand to our feet. Would you stand to your feet with me? Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful. And even though it's hard to picture ourselves sitting at that fire and you looking at us in the face and asking that question. And to think about what our individual answers would be at this point. I mean, really looking at our whole life and what we're doing with our life. It's hard. Help us to be honest with you, honest with ourselves. And if we're not where we need to be in that, in our love for you, we pray, dear God, you'd help us to just sell out. Bless this time of invitation. If there's someone here that doesn't know Christ, we pray that they'd come today and receive Christ before it's eternally too late. We ask these things. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Piano's going to play. Some have already made their way to the altar. You need to come. Maybe you just need to make an altar right where you are. Whatever it is that God would have you to do. Lovest thou me? What would your answer be? What would it be?
Are you sold out? Does it show in your life? In your service to God? Does it show in your life at home? That you're sold out?